so this is huge. Marriage often heads off a cliff because of one single unchristian belief. I won't do my part if they won't do their part. Let's go to question one. Um, marriage is really difficult. She writes, I, I'm tired of arguing and fighting about everything. I just want to be single again where I can live in peace. Uh, I'm about to leave my marriage. Uh, but so how, what do I do? How do I enjoy my marriage when I just don't even want to be married? Yeah. It's tough to answer these, this kind of question I know, I know. from this perspective because I want to find the person and say, just talk for like an hour and let's just listen. But um, what immediately, the first thing I think is, you know, you want out and my heart breaks at that because I actually start to wonder, is there anything I say that can help at this point? Because you can reach a level of exasperation where reason and solutions and all that are actually annoying because all you want is, the, is an escape hatch. And so my encouragement would be, um, slow down because your tiredness and your frustration could have you making a decision in the midst of that that, that is a bad decision. And um, I would instead want you to refocus upon the Lord. And if that sounds like, <sighs> then that's even all the more why you've got to do it. Um, right. But let's talk first about being tired of fighting. Uh, marriage doesn't require arguing and fighting about everything, but there are plenty of marriages where that happens. When I was growing up, the arguments in the, between my mother and my stepdad were so long that they had to take bathroom breaks. <laughs> and they were loud. And there was just yelling, and, and it was like, I guess we're not watching TV tonight. We're just waiting in the room. You know? And that's the norm of that marriage. It was always just this sort of you know, fighting and arguing all the time. And I think for the Christian, the, the, the only solution is stop your part of the fighting because you can't control the other person, like Sean McDowell kept saying. And so you stop your part of the fighting, which, which is to say, like James says, that wisdom that's from above is willing to yield. That's brilliant wisdom in marriage, willing to yield. And that goes to both ways. Husbands, wives, you, husbands, when you yield to your wife, you're not abandoning your role as a leader. That's wisdom that can be from above. Um, Proverbs 17, 14. Here's a great proverb for us on this. The beginning of strife is like the releasing of water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Releasing water here is like the breaking of a dam. So it's like a dam cracks. And everybody knew, if you saw a picture of a dam, a video of a dam cracked, you'd be like, uh-oh. You know what's happening next. Mm. And so this is the, notice this moment in your relationship, your marriage, where the quarrel starts, because it probably starts before you realize you're in a fight, right? It started in little tiny irritations here and there, just a little, the, the sigh, the look, the glance, the, the wanting to, yeah, but, mm. that kind of response. And if you can just take your part out of the equation, the whole argument could stop. It doesn't mean there isn't still disagreement. It doesn't mean you guys are unified, but you didn't have that moment of chaos and wounding each other in that marriage, in that moment. Um, Proverbs 20, verse 3 says this, It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Now, you can't control the foolishness, the foolery of the other person, but you can control your own and say, I'm out. Like, I'm not out of the marriage, I'm out of the argument. Okay. And so th this is a, a skill where you develop like a radar that goes off that gives you the ability to see the argument coming around the corner before it rears its ugly head and you just stop your part. But that doesn't answer this full question because there's a much bigger issue about marriage, which is, you know, she, the, the person asks, how do I enjoy my marriage? And I'd say enjoyment is important, and this is something that Sean has said and Alan has said, your enjoyment of your marriage is important, but it's not the purpose of the marriage. It's not, the, I should say, the primary purpose of the marriage. It's one of the reasons. Like, you don't go into it thinking, like, I hope this hurts. 
<laughs> but it's not like the purpose, right? So there's two central aspects to a Christian marriage that are not present in a worldly marriage, generally speaking at least. Um, the first is this, is that a marriage you think of as between you and your spouse, and, and you tend to think of it as it serves you. This is just our natural selfish. This is why I'm, the way, I'm wired that way too, right? I tend to think of how it serves me. Um, but the third person in the marriage is God. Now, he's not married to you. <laughs> he stands above your marriage as the ultimate purpose of your marriage. And the person who's involved in it, in at least your part of the marriage, if not your spouse's part of the marriage. So the Christian husband or wife has a person they care about beyond themselves or their spouse. And this was, see, this was like the, the rallying cry of the early church that got them in trouble with Caesar and Rome and all this other stuff is because they kept saying things like, Jesus is Lord. But that's, that's the theme of my marriage. And should I say this? Maybe I can't speak for my whole marriage because I can't control my spouse. That's the theme for my part of my marriage. Jesus is Lord. And that, when you bring that into it, um, it kind of changes your perspective because now me being dissatisfied with the marriage, I have to then ask, but Jesus is Lord, so how does he want me to handle the situation? And it changes everything. So you do all things as unto the Lord because he bought you with a price. I mean, what I'm saying is, you know, husband, wife, when you feel exasperated and you feel like I'm just done, I'm over it, you need to look to Jesus on the cross and ask if his the price he paid, his death on the cross, was worthy of my obedience in my marriage. Because like Paul says, and the way he says it to the Corinthians is kind of crazy because he goes, don't you guys know your body's not your own? Think about it. He had to ask it like a question because he saw their behavior and he thought, maybe there's like this fundamental truth about being a Christian that you haven't grasped. The lordship of Jesus, that he bought you with a price and therefore you should glorify God with your body right? With, with yourself, which belongs to him. And so we get this in marriage too. If you notice the instruction to husbands and wives, there's a few really interesting peculiarities that are different than what you'd read about in the ancient world. One of them is um, the, the reason behind the instruction. So in Ephesians 5.22, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, which doesn't mean I will treat my husband as though he is the Lord. <laughs> That's weird. Um, <laughs> it means that you're doing it unto the Lord not just unto him. There's a third person that's more important. I'm going to honor God by yielding to my spouse. Husbands, it says in Ephesians 5.25, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So when you think of a reason not to love your spouse, you're like, well, look at, look at us when Jesus died for us. How could I possibly have an excuse to be unloving at any point? When you look at First um, Peter 3, where it talks about wives, you know, yielding even to an unsaved husband, it then concludes it by saying that this behavior is, quote, in God's sight, very precious. So I would want to see this person say, can you get your heart back to a point where you look beyond your spouse and beyond yourself and you look up to heaven and you say, I want to make you pleased with the way I live in my marriage. Or do I actually see you as annoying God because you're holding me bound to something I don't want anymore? And this is a real heart surgery issue, just to be real open and honest about where you're at and deal with it. So this is huge. Marriage often heads off a cliff because of one single unchristian belief. I won't do my part if they won't do their part. Mm -hmm. And that's like, to me, the thing I had to continually root out, especially our early first years of marriage. And now things are totally perfect, but at first, <laughs> but at first things are a little rough. <laughs> no, of course not, but, but they're better than they, than they were when we started figuring things out. And it was, I didn't realize how intense my own desire to, um, 
basically give up on my part when I felt she wasn't doing her part, how, how strong that would be. And so it was just having to like labor at that and labor at that and labor at that. And I don't think that ever stops. I don't think that ever stops. But that is the thing we're called to as Christians. So can you as a, as a Christian, I'm gonna call you to real Christianity here. Can you find pleasure in God's pleasure in the way you steadfastly honor him in your marriage even if other things are not happening for you in that marriage? And if you answer that question yes, that's most of the marriage conference for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Um, the other thing I'd say is this, the other two, the two things, right? One is that God is, is the ultimate key factor in my marriage. The second thing is that my example is Christ. And by remembering my example is Christ, what I mean is that all the excuses I have to, to dishonor my spouse, to not love them, um, they all get washed away when I see Jesus on the cross crying out, Father, forgive them. When I see Jesus going to the cross to, to suffer for the people who are hurting him, and all of a sudden, I have no excuse not to walk in love in that exact moment and graciousness and kindness. Um, my example is Christ, always, always. This is Christianity 101. This is basics. I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm just reminding you that it applies to your marriage. That's it. This is, this is the simple stuff. So Ephesians 5 puts it this way. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Hebrews 12, 2 says that we should fix our eyes on Jesus and run with endurance the race that's set before us. That Greek word fix, I love that verse so much. It's, it means to direct one's attention without distraction. So I'm looking to my, in this question, I'm looking to my spouse and I'm looking to my marriage to bring me happiness. It's not happening. So I want out. But you should look to Jesus and look at his pleasure and his example and run with endurance that race that's set before you. And that would be my, my counsel uh, to Christians. Obviously, situations can get complicated, and there are times to even flee a marriage. We'll talk more about that as we go on. But I think for 98% of the marriages, this is the advice we need. 